I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to La Liga Lowdown. It's our final podcast of the season. It's been a long one, but hopefully it's been a fun one. I'm your host, Matt Clark, delighted to be joined by two of our pod specialists, Roman Darker and Paco Pollitt. Hello, gentlemen. How are you? Hi, Matt. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> we can't actually see Paco because he's had a, uh, an incident yeah. with, a, with a baby. So <laughs> we'll leave Small it incident. Small, not that pretty incident. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. Uh, my um, end, uh, hi Matt. Matt. It's good to to be here for the last pod. It's been it's been a bit of a drag at the end, I'd say, uh, the league at least from a Barca perspective, because of course it felt like uh, all of these games at the end were, weren't very important. And before winning it, it just felt like it was a matter of time. You know, Barca got those uh, few points to seal the deal. But uh, now we can look forward to the transfer market, which is annoying for some and entertaining for others. Indeed, it's already well underway. Uh, got a piece on our Substack this morning about exactly that and how clubs have already made some moves. Uh, loan deals made permanent, players returning after being away, all things like that. But yeah, I mean, we're two happy guests here because Roman, Barca won the league and Paco, Valencia stayed up. So we'll, we'll start with the title. I would say it was a title race, but to be honest, it kind of ceased to be that from kind of March onwards, didn't it really? Roman, first of all, from you. How does it feel for Barca to be champions again four years on? It's four years in a row the title has changed hands, so it's kind of good for the competition. Everyone says it's a two-team league, but maybe not so much. Um, yeah, Barca, an incredible season. They, they won it at a canter in the end. Yeah, I think uh, it was surprising to see Barca win, win it so comfortably, uh, especially seeing where we were coming from. But but in the end, I think it was it was fantastic. I think it was much needed for for the squad, for the club as a whole, you know, to try and move forward, to try and uh, become a winning side at an international level, we could say, playing in Europe, of course. Uh, so I think this can definitely give uh, the players a morale boost. Xavi was saying that the team needed this to feel like winners, and now that he said the players feel like winners, so this can really kind of help that mentality uh, next year going into into the Champions League. So I think in that sense, it was, it was really good. But again... I also have to point out that Madrid really disappointed. Uh, it feels like at some point they kind of gave up and focused on the Champions League. They put all their efforts there, which in the end didn't work out very well. And it also felt like um, they lost a bit of Vinicius, we could say, on the field, you know, because he started the season really well. He was probably going to be the player of the season at the end. Uh, he didn't seem as focused, I guess, all the racism uh, thing, all the um, complaining during matches, everything uh, that happened surrounding his figure kind of... Uh, affected Madrid as a whole, I think, because they needed him to perform because Benzema maybe didn't have his best season. He had lots of injuries, ups and downs. So they needed Benitez to step step up. And in the end, unfortunately for them, it didn't happen. I think this allowed Barca to kind of pull away. And, you know, they almost even lost that second spot to Atletico Madrid. So it was definitely a very poor season for them. And Barca can be happy and and look forward and and try and improve the squad because uh, they obviously will want to win the title again. And now they have to just try and uh, be better competing in Europe. Mm. 
Yeah, targets for next season for sure. We spoke about improving the squad. One player who won't be arriving is Leo Messi. And Roman, you've written a piece on our Substack about exactly that as well. Um, we've all seen the the rumours and the, the repeated stories that they were doing everything they can to bring him home and the viability plan was going to be approved. And then suddenly, yeah, the guarantees weren't quite there. So Messi decides to go to Miami. And it's uh, a real shame for, for neutrals, I think, as well as for Barcelona fans. Paco, how do you... T- see that uh, the title race in general and then obviously the news that Messi will not be coming back I think it was very smart by by Barca to just shift focus into the uh, La Liga efforts and uh, just try to forget the you know the trips and the I don't know the the problems that they faced in other competitions because ultimately if you face uh, their performance this year only uh, if you in La Liga counts obviously it's a rousing success but in both the Champions League and the Europa League, where they were, you know, expected to perform at a certain level, they disappointed, especially in the Europa League, because I believe that after seeing how the competition developed later and Sevilla getting into the final and winning it, I think that Barca could have perfectly be, uh, been that that side, but um, something didn't um, click in, in those competitions. Also in Copa del Rey, ultimately, they were facing Real Madrid and, and they got knocked out, so... I think it was very smart by Xavi once they got to, I believe, February back then uh, when all of their different other uh, targets this season couldn't be achieved to just focus in La Liga and do it in in spectacular fashion. I believe that the uh, Barca season is going to be analyzed, especially in you know the performance of midfielders, also absent midfielders. I think it has plenty of merit doing so without Pedri in the final stretch of the year. Uh, Gabi's performance, Lewandowski more or less uh, failing to live up to expectations, even though he has scored quite a lot of goals. But uh, the crucial point here has been Xavi trying to tighten up the defense and getting Ter Stegen to be the the um, keeper with less goals allowed. I think Barca have improved a lot at the back, and that has been crucial for them. But yeah, you know, that's the way things are analyzed over. Uh, depending on the moment of the season where you do the assessment, uh, speaking about Barca in March maybe, uh, the bitterness of, the, of being knocked out in other competitions would have, been, would have remained. But you know, at this point, after coasting in La Liga in the final stretch with Real Madrid really uh, centering all of their efforts uh, in other competitions, Barca just seemed mighty. In, in the home competition and that's a big advantage for them because it allows them to, to really build uh, upon that success in, in the following seasons. Whereas for Messi's um, eventual drama uh, and final departure, I think that one thing is to have the desire of doing something and, and the other is, you know, actually being able to, you know, have the tools to do that. And it was always going to be a, a far-fetched dream to bring him back because of all of the financial stuff, not because of the you know chance of agreeing in a number of points. I think that the the people in charge were uh, you know in, on the same page in in Messi's uh, eventual retur- return, but I think that the whole uh, financial jigsaw was never going to be as easy to put together as as the rest. So. It's unfortunate, obviously, for Barca fans, but for La Liga, because I think his departure back in the day wasn't the, really the one that he deserved. And uh, ultimately, he had to choose if uh, staying in in France, even though he wasn't really happy there, to find a new, uh, you know, a new desire or new goals over in in the U.S. 
or in, in the Middle East or be back in La Liga. His family wanted to be in La Liga, but eventually, as that is not going to be able to happen, uh, he has found another home in, in the U.S. And I think as he's going to propel forward um, soccer, as they call it, obviously, European football, as, as we n name it, uh, in the following years, and it's going to be very, very beneficial for the sport. Mm. Yeah, we could probably do a whole podcast alone on, on the impact of Messi's arrival in the States. But uh, for now, I just want to touch back on, on Real Madrid. Um, it's hard to analyse their season, really, because as you say, they, they kind of put all their eggs in the Champions League basket. They did win the UEFA Super Cup at the start of the season. They did win the Club World Cup uh, at the start of the year. And then they did win the Copa del Rey at the, uh, for the first time in 10 years. But then on the flip side, as we say, they had a very poor defence of their league title. Pretty humiliated by Manchester City in the second leg of the Champions League semi-final. And there was that comprehensive defeat to Barca in the Supercopa. So, Roman, how, how do you really assess this, this season? Because, I mean, I think Tony Cruz said three trophies, so it's a good one. But it's not the three that you'd really... Well, it's certainly not the two that you want. Um, yeah, how do, how do you read it? It's quite difficult to, to see how, how well we should judge the season. <clears throat> It's 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 difficult, honestly, because uh, on the one hand, of course, three titles is is definitely very positive, and it's not, not never easy to win uh, those sorts of titles. But at the same time, you just see how poorly they did in La Liga, and it kind of uh, unbalances everything a bit, you know. So, honestly, for me, at the end, I see Real Madrid. And I think they had a poor season, not just because how badly they did in La Liga, but also the way they got knocked out in the Champions League. You know, as you said, City practically humiliated them at a certain point you know and they didn't they didn't even compete it's true that after the first leg uh, it was a wide open game anything could really happen if Madrid showed their their best version but it didn't really appear at any moment and City had full control of the game honestly and deservedly won you know so I mean if if at least Madrid had had a, a very good game there but City had won on pens or you know or last minute goal or something like that then you would kind of maybe see it at different eyes like you know Madrid competed in basically everywhere except for the league but Given how they they left there, I think uh, it hasn't been great for them. The other two, the other three titles, um, are maybe, well, they are easier titles to win probably compared to to those two we just mentioned. So I mean, as I said, it's never easy to win a title, but they don't have the same uh, recognition the others have. So in the end, uh, we'll have to see what what the club decides. They're already moving quite a lot of pieces, players that are leaving. Uh, Bellingham apparently is already uh, on the move towards Real Madrid so I think that's a fantastic signing and from my perspective very exciting uh, to have him in La Liga even though of course he's uh, at Real Madrid but uh, I still want to really looking forward to, to seeing him play and see how he develops outside of, of uh, Germany and England because it, we always say that English players tend to struggle a bit you know when they leave abroad and all that kind of thing so Bellingham so far so far has proved he has tremendous quality and he's not that kind of player and uh, he can really adapt to, to another country but now we'll see in a tougher competition such as La Liga if he can keep up this uh, top level he's been showing and then of course Madrid have other youngsters who need to step up like uh, Schuameni, like uh, Gamavinga oh, Benitez already has already stepped up but he needs to you know, mentally I think sort himself out try and not get as affected as we've seen him in games even though of course it isn't easy I mean it's hard to go through uh, people shouting all sorts of stuff at you but you know uh, it's happened and I'm not justifying anything but as a player on the field he needs to do what's best for his club and that's play at 100% so I mean he has the quality and uh, they'll need him 100% next season to to grow and to, to do better than this year mm. Potentially the leader of Real Madrid's attack Paco 
I suppose the big question for Real Madrid now is how will they cope without Karim Benzema? I mean, they've already, you know, said goodbye to Eden Hazard, Mariano Diaz and, and Asensio. And to a greater or lesser extent, those three players were, were useful or not. But, but yeah, Benzema is the big one, isn't it? He's already moved to Saudi Arabia, uh, parading his Ballon d'Or in front of 60,000 fans uh, at Al-Itihad. Uh, there's, there's rumours of Harry Kane, Kai Havertz, Roberto Firmino, plenty of names in the market as we expect at this time of season uh, in the transfer window. Paco, how how will Real Madrid replace Karim Benzema, their second all-time top goalscorer? I think they will go uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. On, on the market and they will show everyone their money. You know, they have been able to uh, save most of their expenses in the last couple of seasons. They haven't really signed, you know, uh, properly, like in a big market for Real Madrid in, a, in quite a few years, because as everyone knows, they were trying to, to save some money in order to invest in the in the refurbishing and the, and the new works in the in the Santiago Bernabeu. But uh, they will have to do it this, this summer. They did already um, in uh, that signing of, of Bellingham, which should be official at, at any point. And they will have to do so in in quite a, a few places too. I think that Benzema leaving is going to leave a, a big mark on on the side because uh, his impact in Real Madrid wasn't really the the one of a goal scorer. Ultimately, Benzema was that kind of all around player who is able to just from midfield onwards be able to generate stuff just by being there, just by you know moving on the pitch, um, leaving his mark. Uh, passing around, scoring obviously, but he has been much more than a number nine for quite a few years already, especially since um, Cristiano Ronaldo left. So, uh, you know, uh, swapping his his contribution to the to the side and bringing in another player who is able to do the same is going to be impossible because I think there isn't another player in European football or outside. Uh, Europe, who is able to deliver in the same way as Benzema when he is in form. So yeah. they will have to bring maybe two players with um, profiles who, which are able to, you know, uh, be complementary in a number of ways. Uh, as Roman said, I think that Vinicius will have to step up to the plate and become the new leader for this side on the on the offense. And as he said too, I am, you know, 100% agree on on the fact that. Um, whenever Vinicius is focused on the pitch, he can be one of the best, if not the best, in the world. But when he gets distracted by external affairs, he becomes a regular player. And in that sense, I think that both Real Madrid as a club and Ancelotti as the manager will need to, uh, you know, put some special effort in that in that sense because uh, it has happened a number of ways this this season. Not only in the last stretch with everything which happened over and all of the drama surrounding his, uh, you know. He becoming uh, fed up over at Mestalla, but I think that it happened already a couple of times this this season, and that distracts an elite player from his goal, which is ultimately winning, scoring, and, and becoming the the best. And regarding the rest of the of the year, as as Roman said, I think that ultimately the way they went out of the competitions is also not the not the best. Uh, I think in La Liga they just gave up because they had other priorities in the Champions League they got crushed by by Manchester City and I think that it's possibly the most uh, you know uh, the biggest difference between two sides in a semi-final in, in quite a while and that is going to hurt for for a number of months and it's unlucky that the only real 
I would say, title which they really contended for, which is Copa del Rey, they actually didn't celebrate the title because Osasuna were in front of them and they were fighting for their lives, trying to win their first Copa del Rey. And uh, for Real Madrid, it just was another day in the office. And, um, you know, uh, Osasuna would have loved to, to win that title. Real Madrid was just, you know, I'm playing for this. I win the game. I have another uh, piece of silverware at home and, and I don't really celebrate it. But but yeah, I think that I wouldn't say the season has been a disappointment, but I think that the ending of the season, the final two months, have been not up to the standards which Real Madrid fans really demand from their side. Mm. Very high standards they are too. Well, let's uh, let's leave it there for the moment. After the break, we'll talk about Atletico Madrid, Real Sociedad, the European race, and of course the relegation battle, as well as Sevilla's remarkable campaign which ended in Europa League triumph. So we'll be back very shortly. Stay with us. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown. I'm here with Roman Darquer and Paco Pollitt reviewing the 22-23 season. We had a World Cup in the middle of it, but uh, it's fair to say Let's come and dribble one of the better sides as the season came towards an end. They just missed out on second spot, although they probably deserved it. Roman, do you think they can challenge for the league title next season? Well, uh, so many factors... Uh can make that change that for example the, the beginning of this season I actually thought that Atletico de Madrid would be contenders they had a phenomenal squad for me they brought in some very good signings they were uh, very strong uh, in, in you know different areas of the pitch but in the end it just didn't work out there wasn't the, that connection between Joao and, and uh, Cholo Simeone it seemed like he was about to leave now the big question is is Simeone going to leave or is he going to stay at the moment, the rumours are pretty quiet on him leaving. I think I haven't seen too much saying that he might leave. Uh, I think uh, that would be a big game-changer if he left, and probably in a negative way, because I think uh, Simeone and Analytica are meant to be one for the other. I think he's capable of getting the most out of that team, even though he might not play the football many consider that Atletico can play. But uh, with him in the squad, managing that team, I think they always have a good shot you know, at, at winning a title such as La Liga. So we'll have to see what signings come in. We'll have to see what happens with Joao Felix. We'll have to see uh, how the new players adapt. It's, it's difficult to say, honestly, at this point. I think we need to see and, and, and um, check out what happens during the summer, what players come in and, and evaluate from there on and, and decide uh, according to the preseason how things go, you know, because... Uh, Letico will always be there because you know they have the capacity to to sign good players. They're a strong European side. Uh, they're feared by many clubs, you know, and and they always have that 
in themselves and if they can improve maybe a bit more defensively because we all knew that Cholo's teams were, were well known for being very very solid at the back and from there the counter-attacks etc so if he can improve that solidness at the back for next season if Griezmann can keep up this spectacular form because for me in the end he's been the best player of the season because he's, he's been so 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 good at the end it's true at the beginning of the season he didn't get much of a chance because of course uh, with Barca uh, you know negotiating with Atletico Madrid they didn't want him to play more minutes than he should, but in the end, once he had his playing time, he just uh, showed that he's one of the best players there is. So if Griezmann keeps up the level and all that kind of thing, I think they'll definitely be contenders. We'll have to wait and see. And also depends, of course, on, on what Barca and Madrid do themselves, if they're capable of bringing in the players they wanted to improve or not. So a lot of factors there. And for me, right now, it's, it's hard to, to, to specifically say if Atletico are going to be uh, up there in the fight. That's a very long way of saying I'm on the fence, but thank you very much. <laughs> very detailed analysis there. I think we'd all agree Griezmann was the best player of the season. Um, as we say, Vinicius probably for the first half, and then certainly Griezmann kind of overtook him and 31 goal involvements um, more than any other player in the league. Paco, Real Sociedad have qualified for the Champions League for the first time in about a decade. How big an achievement is that from Imanol and his, and his staff and his team? I think it's it's been massive because there was really really fierce competition for quite a few months. You know, ultimately, uh, when it came down to the last uh, four or five games, it was you know in in Real Sociedad's hands to to achieve the goal or or to let it go. But I think that for for most of the season, it's been you know a, a fierce fierce challenge for all of the teams involved. There was a point where uh, Real Betis seemed uh, mighty. Um, you know. Also, Villarreal really came uh, very strong from from that uh, starting stumbles at the beginning of the of the season, and they and they became once again European contenders. Um, I remember Athletic Club; they had a good run of games. Osasuna for a while was also a contender for that spot. So, I think it has plenty of merit for for Real Sociedad, for Imanol Alguacil once again showing that he might be. If not the best manager, because I think Simeone has done a great job. Also, Xavi has done a great job. But in my book, Jago Barrasate has been the best of the of the season. But uh, Imanol is right up there. You know, one of the top three, four uh, managers of of La Liga. Because there was a point where Real Sociedad were very, very reliable when playing at home. They 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 created that kind of fortress whenever playing at the Real Arena at uh, Anoeta. And uh, many players have been able to live up to the standards. Remember, they signed their marquee striker back in August, Umar Sadiq, and they lost him in the second game. And uh, they lost him for seven, eight months. You know, so they have uh, been able to produce and get results with most of their attacking front injured or uh, miss uh, MIA. Uh, back in October, November, December, there was a point where they were playing, uh, you know, um, uh, nine-less football. They didn't have a reference striker because they, they just didn't have the players. But that second line of, of players with uh, Take Kubo, who has had a, a massive season in my book too, uh, Silva also after he recovered in the midfield, he has done great. I don't know, overall, the, the way the team has performed... Um, Privilege the 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 level of the whole side and not only individual players and that has been the brilliance of Real Sociedad and that's why I believe that um, you know earning that fourth place is absolutely deserved for them. But my I have my own doubts regarding their their performance the following year because most of the time 
these kind of, of teams have problems when they have to compete in, in, th in three competitions, which are, you know, of the um, level of s demand and, and, and uh, performance uh, expected as Champions League, Copa del Rey and La Liga. They always suffer. They always, always suffer. And that's why I, I fear that the, the following year is going to be tough for Real Sociedad. But for the moment, I think that uh, Churi Urdin fans have all of the right to, to enjoy and to celebrate and to, you know, uh, squeeze all of, of that European football that they are going to enjoy on the 23-24 season. Yeah, really looking forward to seeing how they get on in the Champions League season. As you say, note of caution for the uh, reaching those levels in multiple competitions, but let's hope they can can achieve it. As we touched on there, uh, Betis and Villarreal completed the Europa League spots and Osasuna made it to the Conference League. Roman, there's been some news this week that they might even be banned from entering the competition though due to, uh, from back from 2014, about uh, some, some match fixing is it or, or what's the story there? Well yeah, apparently there was something related to, to match fixing back in the days and uh, they want to they were reviewing it basically it happened back in 2014 and they're going to review this and decide whether Osasuna will be capable of, of ch playing the Champions League but it kind of feels a bit weird that they're looking at this now I don't, I don't really understand why this has come up at this stage uh, it's true that of course they've qualified now to Europe and I guess uh, that's the reason behind it but I mean if they got to find them in a way why didn't they do it back and I don't know I just it just feels awkward that now poor Sasuna had such a fantastic season and they worked so hard um, it's not easy at all to make it to a final in a competition like the Copa del Rey and at the same time uh, keep performing in La Liga usually teams that uh, go for another t uh, competition such as the Europa League or or the Copa del Rey etc and that don't have a deep or strong squad like maybe other uh, teams like maybe Villarreal, Betis etc do have uh, sometimes they struggle, you know, and they tend to drop uh, positions. But Sarrasate, in that sense, uh, for me, as Paco said, one of the best managers this season, has done a phenomenal job in getting the team to, to fight every single game to stay up there. And in the end, you know, a very well-deserved Conference League spot. And for me, um, it would be f phenomenal to see them play there. I would really love that. They've already been started moving uh, in the transfer market. They're bringing in, bringing in Catena from Rayo Vallecano, who I think is a very smart signing, very good centre-back. I think he can really help the team. And, uh, of course, there are going to be other other interesting pieces coming in to, to improve this squad, which has been really, really good. But I don't know. I'm just a bit disappointed that uh, this takes place now and that they can be affected by by this sanction because, honestly, you know, it's true that uh, maybe the people in charge now are, aren't to blame. I don't know if, if it's the same guys leading the club, uh, but, this, but still massive disappointment for the fans, for the players, you know, all the effort they've put into this season, seeing how it might just uh, blow away and, and uh, they might not get that unique opportunity because it's not every year that you see Osasuna playing in Europe, you know, maybe they won't qualify back to Europe in the next decade or so, so uh, hopefully this doesn't go any further and, and uh, they're not sanctioned because I'd love to see them uh, playing. Mm. Well, Spain will have eight teams in Europe next season because Sevilla, of course, won the Europa League, which means they are the fifth side in the Champions League. And if Osasuna do get the ban, then Athletic Club will be the club that replaces them in the Conference League. Now, I'm conscious of time. I'd love to talk more about Sevilla and Mendilibar. We'll maybe come back to that at the very end and talk about coaches. But we do have uh, to press on to the relegation battle. If you want more Sevilla fans, we did a podcast after the Europa League final, Paco and myself, so go and check that out. It's on our Substack feed. 
uh, you'll be able to find it there. Relegation battle Paco, of course, delighted to see Valencia safe in the end. Uh, it was Elche, Espanyol and Real Valladolid who ultimately went down. What a dramatic final couple of jornadas we had there. Yeah, it went down to just a matter of, of details. And actually, the there were a number of moments in, in the last games where, uh, depending on the on the results, I believe a couple of disallowed goals for, for Elche just left... Uh, Valencia hanging in there. If Valladolid scored, Valencia were on the on the relegation spots, which was, you know, pretty amazing. Especially if you see uh, if you see the the history of the, of these teams and all of the you know all of the seasons that they have remained in in La Liga. But it just came down to the as we say the photo finish in in this race, and and Valladolid was ultimately the one to go. Which is unfortunate because for a number of weeks it seemed that they were clear for, from danger, you know. But but I think that this this year the relegation battle has been very cruel with anyone who relaxed just a tiny bit, and the Spaniel suffered the you know the the rigors of of this of this fact. Also by Valladolid, Almeria just scraped barely through with 41 points and they remained in in the competition. Valencia did so. Getafe, you know, delivered uh, in spades uh, the promise that Bordalas brought in in the last six, seven games with that champagne football in the last game against Valladolid, which, which was the perfect encapsulation of what Bordalas really means, you know. Shithousery, nothing played, 20% ball possession, but no shots on target by Valladolid, which is absolutely massive for a game where Valladolid is, are just playing for their lives. But... That's what Bordalas brought to the table. Also, Cadiz, once again, just another season they are able to make it through. And Celta de Vigo, uh, which with 43 points, they, they beat Barca in the last match day, even though Barca were really just thinking on their holidays. and um, Which really meant that uh, Celta were the, the best side of, of, those, of the pack, of those six uh, teams which were on risk of uh, dropping to, to Segunda, but it doesn't save uh, Carlos Carvajal from, you know, departing on, uh, which is just, a, a, you know, uh, breaking news on, on that front. Uh, Carvajal and Celta um, departing um, and parting ways because Celta didn't really deliver on, on that promise. When Carlos Carvajal came uh, mid-season or in, in the first third of the season, uh, the way Celta played, the way they you know, just um, delivered on the pitch, made them to be, in my book, European competition candidates and not really uh, relegation zone contenders. But the way they dropped the ball and the last three months have been awful for their fan base. And that's why I think that it's smart for, for you know, just part ways and uh, to try to shift gears regarding the following season. But Yadolid, uh it seems like, Ronaldo Nazario had already some sort of deal in place if they remained in La Liga in order to sell the largest share, um, the largest number of shares and, you know, get rich in the process. <laughs> that seems not going to happen with Valladolid in Segunda División. Let's see what the future beholds for them. And the Espanyol, uh, I don't know. They are on the right to be complaining about the referees and the calls that they got because they were pretty much appalling most of the time. But you also have to see uh, if really appointing Luis Garcia in the last stretch of the competition was the smartest move. Because I have the, the perfect uh, example of that, Ruben Baraja for Valencia. It, more or less it's the same example, but Baraja just scraped through 
and um, Luis Garcia fell short. You know, thir 37 points that game against Valencia. They were very, very inconsistent, especially at the back. They left, you know, uh, their defense mostly open most of the time with that Lino goal in the 90th minute. I don't know. Espanyol didn't really do their homework and they fell to Segunda because of that. And finally, we have Elche, which really performed well when they were already in Segunda <laughs> uh, with uh, Becacheque as the as the manager. Or oh, is Becaseche? I, I don't really know. Becacheche. Uh, the way to spell it. Becacheche. Okay. He's going to be the the architect in in second in Segunda División. He has already stated that, and you know, as the president is a friend of him, I think that he will have full support. But you know, Elche have been a mess all around the the season, and even though they managed to leave on a high note in the last two months, I would say uh, they never stood the chance. As we said, I, I believe at the beginning of the season, they were most of us had Elche as their number one contender for for dropping to Segunda. So all around, maybe the best relegation battle in 10, 15 years. But, you know, the drama over in Valladolid was, was painful to watch. Indeed it was. Well, they have been replaced by Granada and Las Palmas, who are promoted automatically from Segunda. They will be joined by one of Levante or Alaves, who face off in the Segunda playoffs, which, of course, still continue. We've also got the Nations League coming up. Spain take on Italy to try and uh, find a way to the final to, to potentially win that trophy. Luis de la Fuente potentially under pressure. Um, but as we as we come towards the close, I'll just um, some one word answers, please. Uh, Roman, your coach of the year. Well, as I mentioned before, I actually have two. One is um, Alguacil and the other one is Arrasate. For me, those two have been phenomenal. Paco? Those two, and in addition to those two, I will say Xavi has, has done a great job. And also, uh, I would have never thought about this, Kike Setien. Mm. I think the way Villarreal bounced back was pretty amazing, and I didn't expect that. Indeed. Indeed, Roman's smiling there. <laughs> He's a big fan of Setien, of course. Uh, how about on the flip side then, Roman, your biggest disappointment of the season can be player, club or, or coach? Uh, my biggest disappointment, I think it has to be Diego Martinez. Uh, I think I really had high hopes on him doing a good job at Espanyol, seeing how well things went at Granada and seeing that uh, there was an interesting project, at least behind uh, Espanyol. But uh, despite all the players they brought in and all the excitement there, it worked out very, very poorly. Mm. And Paco, for you? San Paoli, hands down, because uh, Sevilla had the raw uh, power and, and football uh, quality to, to achieve real great things. But Sampaoli was never really the ideal manager to extract that potential. Mm. Mm. Good call. Well, we've uh, already mentioned Cavallal leaving the club, uh, leaving Celta. We've also had Ruby leaving Almeria. And of course, thirdly, we had uh, Andoni Araola leaving Rio. So three clubs looking for new coaches. Uh, we'll see if Diego Martinez is in contention for any of those for next season. We've said goodbye to many legends of La Liga. Joaquin, Sergio Busquets, Jordi Alba, Mateo Laoz, Eden Hazard. Oh, wait, no. Um, so <laughs> it's been, it's He's been, a legend in his own way. Indeed. You know. It never played a single minute in a Clasico. That, that is a quiz question in 10 years' time, for sure. Yes. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we have to come to the end of the pod because we are running out of time. But thank you very much to you both, to Roman 
and to Paco. It's been a pleasure to talk to you throughout the season. Uh, thank you to listeners for subscribing, listening, retweeting, everything. We really appreciate your support. We'll be back in the new season. It won't be very long now. Um, give us a, about a month or so to recover from a very long season and we'll be back. Uh, so, yeah, from all of us here, have a great summer. Enjoy the transfer window. It's already started, so, you know, here we go. And uh, it's adios from us.